the Empire podcast this week, we solve our guest conundrum with the help of a very special mystery guest whose identity shall become clear throughout the podcast, mainly when I introduce them. All that and more on the movie podcast. I had a lovely time at the Harry Potter Studios tour last week, but hey guys, don't try the butterbeer. That stuff will kill you faster than a bullet. Hello pod, I'm Chris Hewitt and welcome to the Empire podcast. This week I am joined by three Colleagues, that's right, three colleagues of such lethal cunning. We're joined by the wonderful, soft, warm, loving, gentle, kind, naive, idealistic James Dyer is here. <laughs> How are you, James? I'm good, Chris. So, you had butterbeer. Did you have the chilled, iced butterbeer, the slushy butterbeer, or did you have the sort of fizzy pop butterbeer? Which variant? Did you have? I, I thought there was only one. No. Such a noob. Oh, no, okay. you can you can get either version. I had. A lot of both of them. I went to a really, uh, yeah, because I went to the Universal when they launched the Hogsmeade part of the park in LA, and uh, they had free butterbeer for all. And I had so much butterbeer. I was, you know, that episode of The Simpsons where he has some and he's hallucinating, and it's all like turns into a weird sort of LSD trip. It was a lot like that. Yeah, but oh, sugar. Yeah, Mysterioso de Nuestro Homer. I'm sorry, what? Yeah, the, <laughs> what, what is it called? That's the name called? of the episode. Mysterio. El viaje misterioso de Nuestro Homer. I might be missing out. I told you I don't speak French. Something like that. Yeah. What's happening? Why have we gone all Babelfish? (laughs) That's how. That's the name of the episode you you were talking about. How can you name the episode? Because it's a really famous episode with Johnny Cash. With Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash. As a fox. I have no recollection. I remember the fox. I remember the fox. fox. I don't remember this episode of The Simpsons. It's a really famous episode. Goes to the chili eating contest. Yeah, and he has too much chili. It's chili, isn't it? I see what I've done wrong here. I introduced James first. That was where you went wrong. That's where I went wrong. So. Also joining me this week, Helen O'Hara, our geek queen. Hello. Hello, how are you? I'm good. I also have a butterbeer story, though. Okay, good. Go go for it. So I went around the Harry Potter studio tour before it opened. It was amazing. They were still unpacking the Griffin skeleton and stuff like that. And they made a big deal at the time of saying, look, we are not going to have butterbeer. This is not like an immersive experience. This is like behind the scenes. This is not going to be a butterbeer sort of place. <laughs> and then like two weeks later... You're shooting up butterbeer in the... <laughs> two weeks later, I get this call going... Yeah, you know, we said that to you and you put it in print. Yeah, we're going to have butterbeer. So they literally brought me back just to try the butterbeer because as, as a sort of apology for the inadvertent And then misleading. you got hooked. And now I shoot it up yeah. every single morning. And then it became night bus. Yeah, margarine wine. <laughs> and someone else said to me on Twitter last week, lard gin, which sounds great. <laughs> butterbeer, oh, I don't know. I don't know about butterbeer. But uh, I will introduce the third member of our quartet. I'm the fourth, obviously. Ben Travis, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm mainly good because I haven't just had a glass of butterbeer. Because I agree with you, Chris, that it, I in actuality, it tastes kind of disgusting. It was it the fizzy like pop it. one because you have yeah, like okay, a bunch of fizzy pop and then a thick, like creamy foam it's, it's, layer on the top. It's like an ice cream soda. Yeah, yeah, but that combination. It's frothy. <laughs> I think I'm kind of in between. I think it's great. I think it should be sold in shot glasses because that's about the maximum amount you can that's actually drink. That's a good idea, right? That's a good idea. See, does it taste as disgusting in the world disgusting. of Harry Potter? It is. It's, it's, it's awesome. butterscotchy. It's, it's just a lot. It's a it lot. It is very, very, it's very, very sugary. sweet. I'm pretty sure whilst drinking it, I was going to be the first person in the world to develop type 3 diabetes. <laughs> the magical <laughs> kind. Life goals. Hashtag life goals. And, you know, I, I had a great time at, at Harry Potter. So last week, my wife and I took my sister and my niece, again, must clarify, two different people. And uh, we took them to the Harry Potter tour because my niece, Alex, is a big Harry Potter fan. And I want to give a special shout out to two members of staff at the tour, James and Freddie 
both of whom listen to the podcast Yay. and went out of their way to show us stuff and give us a bit of a guided tour. And, uh, and uh, that was really fun. Did you capitalise on the podcast to get extra butterbeer? Is this what you were doing? <laughs> no, I... You no. shilled the podcast for your own sugary ends. I remained <laughs> stum about the podcast. I remained very, very quiet, but they... Uh, but then you spoke. And they went, hang on a one, minute. Yeah, yeah, one recognised my voice. <laughs> and uh, one had seen a tweet that I was, I was going down there. So he was, uh, he was very, very helpful and very, very friendly. That was James. So thank you, James, for going out of your way. That was, that was great. But that was after we'd had the butterbeer. And so, uh, frankly, the only way was up from that point oh on. But it was, it was great. I really enjoyed it. You know, I'm not the biggest fan of those movies, but it gave me a renewed insight into the world and made me want to revisit them. I certainly want to reread the books. I've been, I've been having an mm. itch to reread the books mm. recently. So have I, actually. I've only uh, ever read them once. Read another book, James. Well, tis my way. I don't really reread books. That's true, yeah. You read them really, really slowly, yeah. but only and ever once. And then never once. again. Which is amazing so because... It's like there can be only one. I'm on the Highlander. Mm. That you can reel off so much stuff about Dune. Oh, no, I've said it. No, well, why would you oh, say no. it? No, actually, I am going to go on now, but not about that. We, I, mean, I just mentioned Highlander and actually that has reminded me of something. Have any of you seen the Renegade cut of Highlander 2? No. no. So I had never, I mean, I vaguely was aware, and I didn't really know what it was. I was a car, because Highlander 2 is rubbish, and you see that once, you never want to see it again. Mm. But so Mulcahy went back and recut it, like, years and years and years ago, and changed the whole film, and used extra footage and shot extra bits, and totally, totally changed it. So there's no mention of the planet Zeiss. They're not oh. aliens. Like oh. It's completely, like, in keeping with the mythology. I like, think He's retconned the whole thing. The end fight is now, as it was originally shot, two separate fights. It makes a lot more sense. At the end, they don't swan off into outer space, because, again, I can't emphasise this enough, no aliens. And it's okay. Oh. Like, the director's car of Highlander 2 is not bad. I mean, it's not good, but it's, it's not bad. And I was like, this is a game changer because the, the quickening, like the original cut of this, is one of the worst mainstream yeah, movies ever released. And yet this version of it, which is the version I think now, if you get it on Blu-ray, this is the version that exists. It's good. I mean, it's not good. It's okay. It's fine. It's watchable. <laughs> Steady on, James. Yeah, let's, let's, not, not, let's not overstate this. But I'm just saying, if you want to get your immortals on, you can do worse than, than revisit Highlander 2 <laughs> in, its, in its current form. get your immortals on yeah. and you're not up for listening to Evanescence, <laughs> then this is the way to do it, <laughs> it I guess. Indeed. Oh, indeed. Wow. Or go back and watch the first one, which is obviously better. Or, ooh, this oh has God. given me a good idea. Oh, no. Oh, no. This is, I watched every episode of the Highlander TV mm, series of and some of, of its spin-off, The Raven. The Raven, yes. Uh, and I could talk about that at length, but I won't. What I will do is I will save that for Terry on a very special <gasps> future you episode of the Pilot TV podcast when I shall mm. banshee Highlander the series. I'm going to write myself a reminder. That's amazing. Absolutely. Save those thoughts for a form I, in which I will never listen to. I used to watch those series yes. when I lived in France and the only watchable shows were bad imported American ones. I watched so much Dr. Quinn Femme Medicine, I can't even tell you. <laughs> oh, well, what's that? Is that Dragnet? What is that? <laughs> yeah, it's Dragnet, Chris. Oh, that's good. Does the show The Raven have anything to do with the CBBC game show Raven, which featured a man who turns into a raven and challenges small children to obstacle courses? It is not, n nor is it so raven either. It's really? just about, it's about a thief. Ooh. An immortal thief with a sword and a cop on the edge. He may not be on the edge. I think he was on the edge. He was, he was near the edge. By the end, he was definitely on the edge. <laughs> it didn't last very long. Highlander, the actual series, ran for ages, though, mm. as, as you will find out in excruciating detail at some point on the other podcast. Yes, I will find that out when I listen to that. I hate you all. All right, so I don't have a question. Oh, oh really? Um, yeah, I forgot. What? So, uh, Shall I ask you a question, Chris? What? 
What's I've the question? I think of one. I don't have one, but I'll think of one. Okay. Really? okay. No if, you, if my experience of watching you uh, do a spot prize uh, quiz on the live podcast <laughs> is anything to go by, you won't think of a question. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. Top of your head. Those tend to involve me just swearing at the audience. <laughs> but at that point, Whenever we so we're doing live shows, we yeah. do we do a live show. We're doing hey, we're doing a live show. Let's let's use this opportunity to plug our live show. Yeah. Uh, so the fourteenth of September, we're doing a show at the London Podcast Festival. It's going to be live. We're in the Foo Fighters slot. We're closing <laughs> the first or second weekend. One of the two things, except we're not closing the weekend. We're closing Saturday night, and it's going to be awesome. It's going to be brilliant, and we're on stage at nine or nine thirty. You think I would know these things? Oh, but this is after my bedtime. I know Helen will be very very grumpy and upset, but and her PJs as well. But do come along. It's going to a lot of fun go to www dot because Felicity Kate on Twitter pointed out that I always say www and never the third w so I'm at pains this week to say www there you go dot kingsplace dot co dot uk to get tickets and if you buy tickets to three or more shows because they have an incredible lineup I believe James has a pretty little <laughs> podcast there as well the day before and you can get a discount. I think it's a 15% discount if you buy tickets to three or more shows. So do come along. It's going to be a lot of fun. And I, um, there you go. And let's plug over. Okay, but, I've got a question. Yes. I've got a question. Okay. Anyway, then what I was going to say is we give out spot prizes beforehand. We do. As an enticement and an inducement for people to get into the seats early so we can start the show on time. Spot prizes are usually pretty damn good. Mm, I mean, are. some real schlock in there as well, but some good stuff. And so what we do is we ask the audience questions. And James... He's very, very good. You're very good at extemporizing, but not so when it comes to movie questions because no, it looks like all your knowledge just wipes from it your does. mind. I'm not good at coming up with questions on the spot. I need to pre-prepare my questions for people. Like, I, I, Otherwise, it's, it stresses me out. I end up saying, like, then I end up asking questions about Groot's parents, which I believe I did at the last one. It's just, it goes off the rails. They're either far too easy or more often than not incredibly esoteric and impossible. And everyone just stares at me blank-faced. You're more of like an explainy answer giver than a, <laughs> than a question, <laughs> asker. question asker. It's true. It is true. But my yeah. question, which I'm going to ask you, is related to this. So, so. <laughs> I just think your BBC One daytime quiz show would be patronised with, uh, with, uh, <laughs> with like an exclamation mark. Yeah. I think you'll find, Chris, it's condescend. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, no, so the question is, so I listened to Alien 3 this week. I was telling you this. Oh, yes, time. yes. Mm. So Audible have done something slightly improbable. They've done they've released a dramatisation of the William Gibson original script for Alien 3, mm-hmm. which is a very different film is to the, the one that David Fincher made. One? It's not that one. No, it's not that one. It was an other, another oh, treatment Oh, I thought it was it. that no, one. No, 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 no. That's this a is, Vincent Ward one, right? Yeah, that's a okay. Vincent Ward one. So this is, uh, this is William Gibson's <laughs> treatment of it. And it imagines that... Uh, the alien queen, I won't spoil it, but the alien queen, there's eggs and aliens involved. That's not a huge spoiler. And there are two disputed military bodies. And the Shulaco ventures into hostile space and ends up as a, at a space station. The company gets involved. Everyone gets involved. There's no exclusive rights for anyone. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I'm just okay. quoting aliens randomly. No, uh, but so, so the, Lance Henriksen resumes the voice of Bishop in this. And Michael Bean resumes the voice of Hicks. Someone who is not Sigourney Weaver does Ripley. But yeah. But it's. But she's barely in it. You she is barely in it. She's not in it very much at all. And I remember this because I read this screenplay when it went online years and years ago, and it was really interesting to listen to. Partly because it's it's a proper dramatization, so they clearly reworked the screenplay for an audio only format. So there's an awful lot of slightly awkward. Like we're entering the room. I'm looking around. I can see this. It's very. You know, there's a lot of a lot of that goes. I mean, you what? have to have it. And the really? sound effects, there's music. Really? Like the production values are decent. Like it's actually not bad. Don't they have someone just reading out the stage directions? Like no, in a, like, no, no, in a live 
even though it's all worked into it organically, although oh, Bishop no, does shit. do a voiceover at one point. And there's a dramatization of the last sort of 15, 20 minutes of Aliens as well, yeah. uh, so that you can, you know, remember what happened. But it was okay. It was. It's a really interesting production. The, in retrospect, I'm not sorry they didn't make this film because mm. I don't think the screenplay was... Sorry, William Gibson. I don't think the screenplay was the best. But it's really interesting to listen to, especially given that they have, you know, Hicks and Bishop in there as well. Uh-huh. So I enjoyed the two and a half hours of listening to it. Uh-huh. But, you know, all things considered, I think maybe not. Not. Okay. So there I, was a question. Where, yeah, my, oh, yeah, so my, my, question, my question for you Related is, to that was yeah. like in terms of uh, novelizations of movies, like what was your go-to when you were kids? Because there must have been a point where you would read the novelization because you couldn't get into the movie Here, because it was an 18. No. Mm. No. <laughs> no? <laughs> no? No. Because I read the read oh, well, novelizations of Predator, of yes. Robocop, because I couldn't watch the films. Yeah. One, uh, my parents were fairly laissez-faire about uh, VHS stuff. No, but this is the theatrically, I'm theatrically. saying. Theatrically, there was well, no way to get into my Predator. first... 18. Oh, was Bram Stoker's Dracula an 18? If it was, then it was that. Mine was. I, I, went, I did see that in the cinema, but my first 18 was Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. Oh, good choice. Mm. No, it's a terrible choice. Um, I think my friends and I tried to see Basic Instinct. <laughs> yes. And we chickened out. No, we tried. And my friend Dean, who I really hope is listening to this because he does listen to this podcast, literally went up and said, Could I get a half to Basic Instinct, please? <laughs> and they went, What? <laughs> and. That didn't happen. Yeah, but uh, one to basic instinct, please. <laughs> it was my, a bit my like friend, several yeah, children uh, in an overcoat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Three to basic instinct, but it's only one of you. Damn it! <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes, I was thinking about this as you were going through your long and interminable story about the Alien Three <laughs> Audible thing, because you mentioned how Hicks walks at the room and goes, "I am walking into the room," and it reminded me of the novelization, the tie-in novelization of Ghostbusters, and I may have said this in the podcast, but I've said most mm. things in the podcast and it hasn't stopped me repeating mm. myself, so I'm not going to start now, which is weirdly in the present tense. So whoever was writing the book, and I can't remember who wrote the book, clearly had got the screenplay and just went, oh, fuck it, I'll just transcribe it. Uh, so it's like Finkman walks into the room and it's, I, 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 that sort of choice yeah. made my teeth itch even back mm, then. It's choice. Past yeah. tense or GTFO? Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. I think is it so? So I'm not saying the reach of first person ones are present tense. No, good. No, he no, he's he's, he's recounting them as if he's. I'm sure yeah. some no, no, of them no, are present no, tense. Because t- present tense is I'm often telling, used in first I'm telling stuff. you, I'm telling you, I'm not I'm going. Not going. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, no, they're they're all as if he's recounting them. Oh, they're all they're all past tense. Yeah, aren't yeah. Okay. yeah I, I mean, uh, including past tense, which is weirdly which in is, the third person. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember Chuck Wendig did the you know the aftermath time that pre. Yes. Pre-Force Awakens novel. And that, that was, was in the in present, the present tense. tense. And I found it so discombobulating. I couldn't I couldn't deal with it. I had to stop. Yeah. I am fully on board with that. In fact, uh, I had big problems reconciling myself with the fact that he's clearly a very talented writer and a very, very nice guy and very, very funny on Twitter because I just couldn't get my head around the galactic awfulness of that choice. But hey, you know, it's, it's, it's up hey, to you. Each to, you own, wanna, each to their own. Each to their yeah. own, President. Tense. But that's not my yeah. favourite. My favourite, oh, my favourite. What would be my favourite? Uh, George Lucas is credited with the Star Wars tie-in novelization, but I'm Was pretty it? sure he didn't actually write it himself. George Guype wrote the Back to the Future novelization, And here's one I've said in the Empire podcast before. I know I've said this in the Empire podcast before, but the Sean Hudson mm-hmm. novelization of The Terminator because of its very... Eye-opening, yeah. sex scene, and Alan Dean Foster did Alien and Aliens. He did, and, and a bunch of others. And then he wrote a couple of Han Solo books as well, didn't yeah. he? Yeah. Oh, he's written everything. That yeah. man churned. Splinter of the Mind's Eye. Yes, he did. Yeah. He did do that. He wrote that. I don't think I didn't use them for the same purpose of like 
getting into 18s, really. Why? Maybe wasn't daring enough or they weren't just handy. I basically read all my dad's sci-fi and fantasy novels back in the day. And he did have the Star Wars novels, uh, at least some of them. And basically, so I saw Jedi, I think, in the cinema as a very tiny person. And then eventually saw Star Wars on TV and then had to wait like literally a couple of years to see Empire. So I was reading the books to fill those in. And certainly I was reading the books to see them again because I was a big fan and I played with toys at my friend Dario's house. But like, you know, we didn't have a VHS was player for ages. Argento? No. Okay. Dario Wright. Hello, Dario. So we didn't have a VCR for ages and ages growing up. So I had to read the books to try and remember who everybody was. And it's weird seeing 3PO and R2 written out. It's also interesting given that the books are often written on early drafts of the screenplay, so sometimes radically different yeah, to the final weird, film. Weird so shit. Predator, for example, the ending is nothing like the film oh. at all. What happens? He kills it with its own weapon. Like, oh. And it's not the shoulder cast because it was presumably based before they, because obviously they shut down production halfway through and totally changed the alien design. So it's based on the original alien design and it has a weapon which I think was handheld if memory serves but this was a long time ago it's 1987 mm. um, and, and yeah he shoots it with it and I think blows up its ship at the same time oh mm. cool yeah. um, also it's, it's Jean-Claude Van Damme in the novelisation isn't it he just keeps referring to the alien as Jean-Claude Van Damme yes Chris that's exactly <laughs> what happens it does, it does more splits than I think we were particularly prepared for but uh, yeah, has more inappropriate you know, erections there is, a bit, yeah. <laughs> there is a bit when it does a really awkward salsa dance with a, with a young Brazilian lady but uh, you know hey ho what are you going to do and then kicks back with a cause light yeah and then goes uh, and does the splits across two you know trucks Ben Hey. So Italian novelization, Ben, <laughs> yeah. is a book that, that came out yeah. around the time that a, what we like to call a movie came out mm-hmm. as well. Before we had Snapchat, Ben, we used to read books for fun. Mm. So what, you probably don't remember these things. Book? Yeah. <laughs> what is this book? What is Snapchat, granddad? We're, <laughs> we're, we're past it now. We're on we're TikTok, TikTok. And, <laughs> and Mung Bean and all, all kinds of new social media platforms. Uh, but they used to come out. So Harry Potter is not Italian novelization. What? That preceded the movie. So... Can you imagine such a, such a thing? Yeah, I never read uh, film novelizations when I was growing up. I, I guess by that point, like we had VHS and stuff, so everything that was already out was fairly readily available. But I do, I do remember the feeling of not being able to get into stuff that you wanted to get into. I got kicked out of a cinema when I was 13 for trying to get into Kung Fu Hustle. I was desperate to see uh, Stephen Chow's Kung Fu Hustle. Wow. And my brother and sister... Two for Kung Fu Hustle, please! <laughs> so they were both over 15, and they were like, oh, we'll, we'll get the tickets, and you just go and wander around by the pick and mix, and then we'll head in. Uh, and we got rumbled and got oh. kicked out of the cinema. Unbelievable. Um, so that was... Yeah, I remember, especially because I was growing up reading Empire, and I was reading about all the cool films that were coming out and thinking oh, yeah, I want to go and see that. And then waiting and hearing that things were 15s. Like, uh, I remember finding out that Starsky and Hutch was a 15. And I was Starsky and about Hutch that. was a 15? Starsky and Hutch was 15. Why? I mean, there's lots of, like, boobs and things in it. Are there boobs? There's swearing and boobs and things. Are there? There might yeah, be. Yeah, I mean, and lots of, like, weed jokes. Yeah, and there must be some weed jokes. Yeah, so, I, like, I, I do vividly remember that feeling of being really excited about whatever was coming up, but then if it was a 15 or an 18 going, well, I'm going to have to wait, like, months and months until it's on. It's that baby it's face in a video shop again. And, yeah, and that's the thing. I was never, I mean, I can't even grow a beard now, let alone I was <laughs> sort of 16, so. Trying yeah, to buy. It hasn't stopped me. <laughs> I'm still trying. Yeah. Plugging away. How long would it take you, seriously, if you if you tried? Go it's on, do less, it now. We'll wait. It's yeah. less time Go. than just like coverage. 
It would be like small wispy bits. Beardimus! <laughs> I've tried it. <laughs> you probably have. Yeah, no. You probably have. Yeah. But thank you for claiming that you watch VHSs instead of the reality, which is probably that oh, they were pretty much DVDs. No, no, no. I was, I was big on, like, all on VHS until I was about 11 or 12, I think, mm. because... I think the first DVD that I watched, I'm sorry, this is going to make you feel old. Uh, the first DVD I watched was X-Men, was the first X-Men just before X2 came out because I won a competition that in a local newspaper. Old. First DVD I watched was Austin Powers' International Man of Mystery, which came out oh. the year before the first X-Men. So Great choice. You know. Yeah, I remember being really, really excited about, about X-Men. I didn't see the first X-Men in the cinema, but I was really excited to see right, X2. Now I feel old. And then I won a competition in our local newspaper to get free tickets to see X-Men 2. So then we had to rent X-Men 1. And you were like, on I DVD. like this free tickets and movies thing. <laughs> yeah. And How I, can I get more? <laughs> it all sprung from there, basically. Yeah, You were hooked. You were hooked. jonesing for your fix. Mm-hmm. Amazing. All right. Well, I think that's it for the, the question this week. Is anyone have anything else to say? We're all good? Sure. I think so. Okay, What's the good. worst thing you've ever done in the cinema? What? Oh. I don't know. I see your mind automatically goes to that place, Helen. Well, I was does. just going to say I cut into the queue horribly during the Phantom Menace and felt like really oh, awful about it for a week. Thing. That's well, no, because they've been queuing all day yeah. outside. Hang on, I know we got to the back of it. I couldn't can do I it. Just, um, can I just put my hand over my mic here a second? Um, Helen, you're a lawyer, right? Yeah. So no, Chris, absolutely not. Whatever you're, no. What's the statute of limitations? Chris, on, on murder? no, just murder. Just, just a. It was just a one. There time, is no statute of mur- There's limitations, no statute on, of limitations murder. on murder. No, you can still be done, Chris. Shit. I mean, hypothetically. Uh, manslaughter. What if it's manslaughter? What if I accidentally uh, suffocated someone with a popcorn box? Um, I honestly don't know how that would work physically. Well, let me show you. <laughs> no, don't. <laughs> um, I'm just going no? to advise you to yes. just not, Chris. Just don't do that? Yeah. Okay. I don't confess to anything. Yeah, that's correct. All right, okay. I'll just take my hand off the mic now. Yeah. Uh, I haven't done anything about in the cinema, if I'm completely honest with you. I'm glad we cleared that up. Okay, good. Nothing, okay, nothing good. at all. No, no, I don't think so. No, no. I thought you said something about man's laughter or something. Man's, man's laughter is the best sound you can hear, apart from, obviously, the barking of a young puppy or uh, the, um, the... The screaming the, of the, the lambs. The, the, the screaming of the lambs or the... The silence the, of the lambs. The, the, the soft... The on the skin. The soft <laughs> beeping of a car. Anyway, if you want to have your question read out in the Emperor Pop, we got loads of questions actually in the, in the we? end. And we didn't answer any of them. Uh, we didn't answer any of them. Seven well, for next week. Uh, we had loads of questions, including one from James Moran, the writer of Cockneys vs. Zombies, who simply said, What is movie? So we'll get on to that big question <laughs> next week. Uh, what film would be most improved by Nick Cage playing every single role in it? These are <laughs> important questions that we will answer as best we can next week. But if you do want to have your question read out in the Emperor Podcast the week after next, you can get in touch via a number of methods. We're on. Twitter as at Emperor Magazine. All the Twitters. Or just follow me at Chris Hewitt because I will often send out a panicked <laughs> request for questions uh, five minutes into the recording of a podcast. So you never know when that might happen. In fact, follow all four of us. Yes, follow all four of us. So it's principally me at, at Chris Hewitt. And then James is also available on Twitter. You can search him on Google. At James and Helen, Damn it. Helen is at oh, my well. Helen L. O'Hara. Helen L. O'Hara. Yeah, okay. yes, you should you, be doing all of And Ben, want, what are you? Ben S. Travis. Why do you all have initials in your Twitter handle? Because there are other humans with our names. Mm. You can also get in touch with us on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> where we're at Empire Magazine. And you can email us as well, podcast at empireonline.com. All right. Our mystery guest groweth near, but I will not give away their identity, not yet. For now, we go straight into the movie news 
That's what Thor would say. So what's been happening this week in the world of the movie news? Well, surely all the big news came from the new issue of Empire Magazine, which is on sale today as we are recording this. What? Ooh, that's right. That's incredible. You must be joking. Yes. Jokering. Jokering. Yeah. Yes, because it's a world exclusive, really gorgeous. And I say mm. this as a, you know... Someone who's As made my feelings about the film. Absolute contempt for the rest of us. Yeah, yes. no, it's a really, really gorgeous cover, um, especially designed for us, and an incredible feature. The about... subscribers' cover is amazing. Yeah. I love the subscribers. Have you mentioned what the film is yet? The oh, Joker. It's, jo- it's Joker. Joker. It's Joker. Just Joker. Just, Just Joker. Joker. So but yes, yeah, this is a massive world exclusive that you guys have worked very hard on, right? I didn't have anything Me, to do with it. Nothing to do with yes, nothing, I have slaved over this it. feature. Oh. Uh, no, I've had nothing to do with it, but it's incredible. Like all the images in there are like brand new images. These are the very first interviews with Joaquin Phoenix, with Todd Phillips, with Bradley Cooper, who's a producer on this, and Emma Tillinger Koskoff, who's one of the other producers on it. This is the first time people are properly talking about the film, and it sounds fascinating. All of this sort of. Scorsese influences and we've been running some bits online so uh, Todd Phillips talking about the fact that they kind of haven't really based this on any comic Mm. stuff whatsoever that they have written their own sort of complete new take on the Joker which I think is really exciting and I think is a good way to take this it happens in every incarnation with the Joker that it's a different take, that it's a new version that there are certain things that stay the same but the more playful you are with it then the, the kind of more exciting that is. So mm. if you have any interest in this film, or even if you feel kind of sceptical about this film, yep. it's got me massively on board with it. Yeah, it's exciting stuff. Yeah, fantastic. And what we should mention as well is that Empire this month has been given a bit of a facelift, a bit of a redesign. Uh, the Queer Eye guys came in and had a look <laughs> at the magazine and said, that won't do. Is that what they say on the show? I don't know. I don't watch it. But no, no they're it. endlessly it's so positive. Good. It's so good. It's they don't cleansing. go, that won't do. No, they're like, oh, honey, you could be so much better if you just try on a red top. Okay. Oh, so they take you into a room and say, we're going to talk about the deepest, darkest secret that is the root of everything that's been going wrong in your oh, life. Yeah. And we're going to solve that, that in the next hour. And then everything's going to be okay. And then and Anthony's going to make guacamole with you. Oh, my God, it's so good. And while we've been doing this, Bobby has redesigned your entire house. Your entire house. Bobby, love it. It's genuinely, it's the best feel-good show on TV right now. It's the anti-2019. It's so good. It's feel-good to the max. Anyway, this advert for Queer Eye is now over. Anyway, so we've had a bit of a redesign, a bit of a rejig. So there's a lot of really, really cool stuff inside the issue. Some new sections. So the new section has been rejigged is now called Take 20 and is our take on the 20 buzziest, most happiness news stories of the month uh, with loads of great access and exclusive photographs. You know, the usual stuff. Uh, my section, the review section, has been a bit of a facelift as well, but mm. largely been left alone in recognition of his genius. Uh, there's also, <laughs> there's a, also new a new section. section. Which is the spoiler section. Now, this is carefully... Spoiler. No, we, we should yeah, probably say spoiler. It is a spoiler, that. but I just I said spoiler section. Is like it not a spoiler that we've got a spoiler section? That's what I'm saying. It's a spoiler. Yeah. Is it a sp- I mean, you just bought the magazine, haven't we? Well we you know, we announced think... that before the mag came out. So if it's been officially announced, yeah, it was in the trailer. The out, See, I didn't know there was a spoiler section. It's heavily signposted. It's heavily signposted. But if you see a sort of bright pink page in this month's magazine, and you haven't seen the film that you glimpse on that page, maybe just flick on, keep but going. If, if you have, or, this is our chance to like skip past the whole thing. Just really dig into the stuff that you actually want to talk about when you've come out of seeing mm. Spider-Man and 
all the things have happened and the post credit scenes have happened and you go, You remember oh. that thing at the end where the thing happened and then the yes. other thing after that thing, which oh my God. that thing was big, but then the other thing came and that was also yes. big. We talk about both of those. We talk about mm. those. Mm. They're exciting. Yeah. It looks great. It yeah. looks fantastic. And there's loads of great stuff as idea shoot beyond the spoiler section as well. So let me see what else is in here. Dark Crystal. Dark Crystal, Age we have yep, We have uh, Dark Crystal news from that. We have a feature on the new independent movie. Independent movie? Who says that? The new independent movie, Animals. We have an interview with Grinda Chada, the director of Blinded by the Light, as we prepare for that movie's release. And this month's Empire 30 director is the great Jordan Peele, who sits down and has a good old chat about his approach to horror movies. And also we do an oral history of the sunken place scene from Get Out. And The Making of Jaws 2 is in there. And The Making of Jaws 2 is really fascinating mm. because it makes The Making of Jaws 1 look like smooth sailing. And not a lot of people <laughs> know that, I think, about Jaws 2. They think yeah. it was a fairly cheap and cheerful knockoff sequel, but actually it was fairly tumultuous behind the scenes. I would go so far as to say that the story of The Making of Jaws 2 is better than Jaws 2 by <gasps> How dare quite you? some distance. I would, yeah, I would, I would go with that as well. And uh, in the review section at the back of the magazine, I mean every page is just gold. And I won't even I won't even list what's there, largely because I've forgotten, but mainly because every page gets better and better. And There's better. a woman on the verge of a nervous breakdown piece. There is that. There is uh, written by a woman on the verge of a nervous breakdown. <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> written by Helen O'Hara. And uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. So pick it up from all good and evil news agents and uh, enjoy it. And that's in order. Yeah. Okay. Right. So we have our mystery guest. Oh, no, we should probably talk about actual movie news. There was a Mulan trailer. Ooh, yeah, it's exciting. Yeah, it's really promising, actually. Mm, I'm very, very excited about this one. More so than I think, which is ironic because I'm not as wild about Mulan, the animation, Mm. but I'm much more excited about the live-action version of it than some of the others. I think that's because they have clearly set out that they're going to move away from the animation, do something slightly Mm. different. I mean, the story's been around more than a millennium longer than the Disney version and there's a lot there to work with so they don't need a dragon and songs to make this work and I think this trailer kind of really demonstrates that so it's beautiful looking and I'm really excited to see it. Looks like a big sort of epic sweeping history film as well Mm. I think it's just exciting I've spoken about this before but the live action Disney stuff that I gravitate towards are the ones that have a slightly different take on the material to to the animations if that's what feels really worthwhile to me so I was really pleased to see as much as the animation is great and the songs are so good I've got I'll Make a Man Out of You stuck Mm. in my head right now Uh, and it saddens me a little bit that they won't be singing that in the film but it seems like a really exciting direction to take this in to do a big take the Disney resources and tell this story on a massive scale yeah I'm I'm, I'm thoroughly on board Mm. Me too. Speaking of things I'm thoroughly on board with, Fast and the Furious 9. Mm. Um, there was news this week that we have a bit more casting confirmed, which is that Charlize Theron is back Cypher. as Cypher. And Helen Mirren will also be returning. By popular demand. As Magdalene <laughs> I was, Shaw. I was so worried. I know, right? <laughs> what if Cypher think, isn't in this film? Do you think she'll turn into a good guy this yes. time as well? Despite Almost the fact certainly. that she like kills... Vin Diesel's or Dominic Toretto's baby Jason mama last Statham time. Jason Statham enters a franchise <laughs> by killing one of the most beloved characters, <laughs> if not the most beloved character in yeah. the franchise. Spoiler alert, by the way. Yeah, uh, he Fast killed Six, Han Solo. He did kill Han Solo. Uh, although we never see the body. 
We never see the body, and That's I think it that falls he, down into the stock of the base. It's, it's largely consumed by flames. Yeah. I think it's one of the reasons why we don't see the body. It would be really, really be horrible. Uh-huh. Um, so, I, yeah, I still hold out hope that he might return along with Giselle, played by Gal Gadot. I mean, they both look pretty dead, Chris. They have they promised. Were... Well, we don't see her body either. I mean, Ellen. yeah, we but don't, like, you know, she falls off an airplane on the world's longest runway, oh, and that's true. She does. Yeah. I mean, the plane does do that sort of bump thing. Oh, Chris. No, it's too soon. It's too soon. Um, I mean, because it turned out that Deckard Shaw was working under Cypher, yeah. what I now want Deckard is for Shaw. Han Solo to actually be alive and he's actually evil working above Cypher, who is now good, Whoa. who has joined the team. What? Because what? Letty There's... came back evil and she had her memory wiped. But it turned out she was good. Because the power of love, you see. Oh. This, this is the ultimate proof that the Fast and Furious franchise it's... is basically neighbours. Yeah, it's, it's so... days of our lives with cars. Like, what is happening? <laughs> it makes no sense. I love that bit where in Seven, where Paul Walker was screaming, cars don't fly, cars don't fly. And I'm like, they've already flown like six times this film. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what are you talking about? Anyway, John Senna is also in it, which seems inevitable and right. And uh, Justin Lin is directing once again. Mm. So, but there's a serious, yeah. there's a serious discussion to be had here about this movie, Helen. Is there? Because mm. mm. okay. Helen Mirren's presence in this movie as the matriarch of the Shaw family sure. is interesting, given that we don't think the Shaw family is in this. Are you sure? Am I sure? Who knows? We shall see. But uh, we don't think the state is in it. We don't think Vanessa Kirby is in it. Mm. Does that leave then Luke Evans? Bloody mm. yes. Luke Evans. Ruddy Maybe bloody it will Luke be. Evans, isn't it? Uh, who knows if he will turn up as name his character? Kane Shaw. Yeah, I don't know. So, what is it? Um, it's not Deckard. It's not. Oh no, it's something quite like with Ian, but not but Ian. No, Evan. Ian was Deckard's original name in Fast and Furious was Six. It? He is called Ian Shaw. Shut up. And then by Fast and Furious Seven, they realized that it was a bit rubbish, so they yeah. changed Shaw. the name to Deckard. But it's something- Owen. It's Owen. Owen, Owen Shaw. Shaw. And he, when he came back in Eight, <laughs> he was on the plane. <laughs> Rescuing with Jason Statham yeah. rescuing the baby that's but right. then you He's, never saw him again that's because he goes I'm off bye brother and he, he disappears does he leave the plane he leaves the plane okay. no he flies the plane yeah he goes I remember yeah. him going like, up the plane yeah. Cypher he, leaves the plane he says something like uh, what one man can do another can do and then he goes I'm going to kill the bear I apologise on behalf of the Empire podcast to the nation of Wales Seems fair. Yeah. Uh, so I'm hopeful that he'll be back and there'll be more Shaw's kicking butt. But uh, it looks unlikely that The Rock's going to be back. Oh, alas. Uh, yeah, it seems like a shame. But uh, yeah, excited about that movie. There, there was rock news, of course. Dwayne Johnson, Gal Gadot and Ryan Reynolds are making Red Notice for mm. Netflix with Ross and Marshall Thurber in the driving seat. A.K.A. The, the man behind Dodgeball. Because if you can dodge traffic... You can dodge a ball. That is, I mean, that's a good rule of thumb. And why is this? Why is this news? Why is this exciting? I'll tell you why it's exciting. Because this was a Universal movie up until a few days ago, and now it is a Netflix movie, and so we have a, the shifting paradigm right. of the movie industry. So Universal, the reading of the situation is that Universal perhaps thought it wasn't worth the risk, even with three very bankable stars attached, and Netflix went, "Yep, sure, absolutely, yeah. we'll but do that." That is weird, isn't it? I mean, like. Star power should still count for something, you would have thought. You'd think, so, right? Yeah, so it's a, it's a choice. Anyway, we don't know much about the plot. It's a action comedy apparently set in the world of Interpol crime fighters with Johnson as an Interpol agent and sounds... Gal Gadot as a mysterious and brilliant figure in the art world. Yeah, sounds like the Thomas Crown Affair, but with explosions. I mean, you've described something I'd watch. So. Yeah, yeah, me too. <laughs> 
Yeah, absolutely. So I'm quite excited about that. I'm also excited about the fact that filming has begun on the latest Saw movie. Now, the latest reboot of Saw stars Chris Rock. And Mm. of course, he came up with the story as well. And this is not a joke. This is a film that is actually happening right now. And Darren Lynn Boosman, who directed probably the best Saw movies, certainly Saw 2, which is a belter. Saw 1 is the best Saw movie. No. Yes. Saw 2 is the best no. Saw movie. What are you talking Saw about? Two. Saw That's 2. Insane. Saw 2. Saw You're 2. You're deranged. Saw 2. Saw is that the one two. with the swimming pool full of syringes? Yes. Yes. That's how, that is not better than the first one. Because the first one is like a proper kind of like tense sort of thriller, like mystery, what's happening. And then it degenerates into, into Gorno horror no, porn. No, no, no. This is too. before it gets too gory. This yeah. is when it's still focused. It's kind of, it's Moral much bigger conundrums. than the first one, but it has uh, less of the gore and it's still about the sort of big twist at the end. And it has Donnie Wahlberg, so it feels like a long episode of Blue Bloods. <laughs> that's why you like it. So that's why. Does, does, do they have a dinner at the end where they sit and boy your tits <laughs> off telling you what happens? Hey! <laughs> You take that back. You apologize to Blue Bloods right away. Anyway, it is happening right now, and it is happening with Samuel L. Jackson in the cast as well, which is huge. So, just to reiterate, let me repeat myself. There is a Saw movie coming out next year, which we think continues the story of the movies to date, that is kind of written by and stars Chris Rock. And... Sam Jackson is now. We've already established that Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead is the best movie of next year, but this. We've established this. This could be second best. I have a question. Is Tobin Bell's Jigsaw still canonically still alive? Yes. Is no. He, is he no. died? Like, no, he's dead. He's definitely dead. I thought you meant is he in the movie? But it could no, be like a, dead. you know, it could be another heir to Jigsaw thing. Mm. But they, I mean, you know, the last time an American comedian well, the, uh, that I remember made a horror movie, it ended up pretty great. So I'm kind of open to. Chris Rock making one. Why not? Did Rob Schneider make a movie? I wasn't thinking of Rob Schneider. I was actually thinking Jordan Peele. You remember he's in the current issue. Jordan Peele. We talked about him literally in the last five minutes. master of horror. Mm. I remember him. Okay. So, um, you know, this could be awesome. Because Rob Schneider and David Spade have made some pretty horrifying films, by the way. I think you should (laughs) check them out. The Animal. Hot Chick. Oh, no. Joe Dirt. Ah, No. Terrifying stuff. Anyway, get on that. Saw 9, it's happening right now, and it is very, very exciting indeed. There's a new sort of thing, a Star War. There's a Star War There's thing. a new Star There's War. There's a new Star War. They've revealed the Sith Troopers from Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. This is a very kind of weekend before Comic-Con. Mm. Here's a thing to get you excited and we'll reveal more about it in Hall H at some point. I mean, it's a Stormtrooper that's red, but the the name Sith Trooper <laughs> is kind of intriguing. James and I were having a chat in the office before. Were wow. there only two of them? Um, <laughs> Always two, an apprentice and yes, a master. An apprentice and Always master. two, there are. But then, so who? who <laughs> which Sorry. which Sith is this? Kind of referring to the potential resurgence of Palpatine. <gasps> it was hinted at in the trailers. Ultimately, eventually, Sith happens, and that's where I mean, we are. That's here. true. Yeah, yeah. If if the uh, last this, few years, have there, there are spoilers for what this means available on the internet. Should you desire them, but really? I would advise not finding them. Really? Yes. Hmm? This Sith just no, got real. Yeah, the internet yeah. is a hive of scum and villainy. It is. It is. If the Mos Eisley of you the internet hides many spoilers, but in spoiler-free land, we can speculate over whether that's Palpatine. Yes. Is Kylo Ren now a Sith Lord beyond being the leader of the First Order? I believe this particular 
design was put forward by the Hasbro Syndicate, which uh, exists <laughs> within the Star Wars universe. To they like the Knights of Ren. Lit like the Knights of Ren, and they exist solely to push small figurines on unsuspecting children. Mm. There, there's the, the Hot Toys faction, the Funko crew, <laughs> yeah. as well as the uh, yeah. Lego bots. Yeah. Oh, so we're back in the underworld, are we, of Rogue yeah. One? That's I right, mm-hmm. that's right. Um, so you're saying this is basically another case of a toy design giving us a clue as to something coming in a major film. No, no, this is literally the actual reveal of the thing. Of the thing, yeah. okay. So he's a big old stormtrooper in red, in he's, Imperial very, Guard red. It's a, yeah, it's very blood red, isn't yeah, it? it is. yeah. So just a couple of last things to talk about before we reveal this week's mystery guest, whose name will probably be in the blurb accompanying the show. So what the hell am I doing? Anyway, we were talking about Star Wars. There's another thing called Star Trek. Picard. Hey. Yeah. New TV show which is coming. Obviously, there's a there's Never a different podcast that is probably <laughs> better placed to talk about this. Better is but, a strong word. Well, there's a podcast that is placed to talk about. There's a <laughs> podcast. Anyway, screw him. We're going to talk about it. Star Trek Picard. They released the first poster this week. Picard and his dog. Which Woody. is the working title for the series. Yeah. One man, one captain and his dog. Yeah. The dog's called number one. Deep Space K. That's adorable. Yeah. I'm just here for it. I mean, let's be honest, I was on board already. The fact that there's a nice poster has not changed my onboardness. Do you think William Frakes has the voice of the dog? William Frakes? Do you think the dog Jonathan has the voice? Frakes, William Riker. Oh my God. I've got, I'm, see, this you is where the just... fantasy and the reality blend in my head. It's William Frakes. He was Commander, now Captain William Frakes. I can't do it. He's, he's, I can't distinguish between the man and the legend. No. No. Jonathan Frakes, William Riker. Happen. Or Thomas Riker, who is, of course, William Riker's identical cloned twin who joined the Marquis instead of the Federation. Jane, can we turn James' microphone down? Is that something we can do? It's probably safest, probably safest. It's probably for the best. Thomas, of course, being uh, Commander Riker's middle name. I'm just trying to re-establish my Trek credentials. Yeah, because you were desperately, shaking. Desperately. You were on shaking around for a second. I know. Had to, whoo. Dana's pet cat is called it. Spot. It's true. Which is funny because he's, he's not Spotty. ginger and has no spots. <laughs> I feel like we've somehow got off track here. You think? Anyway, so the dog has a, he has a, a like a Starfleet insignia on his, as a little his name tag on his collar. It's, it's very so cute. cute. Yeah. Do you think he's an alien like in Men in Black? No. No, neither do I, but I just wanted like, to get hey, that clear. Hey, Sean, look, how's it going out there? That's it. That, <laughs> if anyone's accept you, listen, just throwing it out there, if you need a voice for the dog, I think, hey, Sean, look, how's it going out there? Would be a great <laughs> It's possible the voice won't voice. have a dog. The voice won't have a dog, the dog won't have a voice. <laughs> the voice okay? will always have a dog. It's very hot in here. Wasn't well, that exciting? Yeah. Does Sorry. the dog help with the wine in some way? Is he, is he like a, like a yes. vineyard dog? Oh, like, a, I, like a future Sam Neill. Yeah. Is that what he's basically doing? He's doing two paddocks. The dog is <gasps> poots. But please notice that everything about this so far has been vino themed like we've had the Starfleet logo made out of vines we've had him standing in a vineyard with a dog I think this is a massive bait and switch and it's just sideways in the future and it's not actually going to be Star Trekky at I all mean, I am I... not drinking fucking Earl Grey <laughs> exactly that exactly <laughs> that again this sounds awesome and I will totally watch it what are the travails of a wine producer in an age of replicators you know yeah. can't anyone just make your wine I why mean, bother I with don't believe craft? a replicator could do an authentic sort of 24th century chateau because Card, but Helen. that's the question, Shut can it or not? <laughs> did, did you see the, the in-depth criticism of the wine-themed story of Picard? No. That's online. Yeah, someone's gone really deep on what Chateau Picard would actually be and whether or not it would be a good wine. What Based on where it's supposed mm-hmm. to be set. Yeah. And what we know from that label in the previous poster. There are 300 years between now Look, and... why? that's the whole point though, isn't it? Wine don't change, so... But the Look, soil I'm... changes. 
Yeah. But does it though? The environmental. I, look, I don't know. I don't <laughs> drink. <laughs> but I'm just saying somebody oh, yeah. wrote a really convincing argument. I mean, this All takes place in a world vinegar. where you know whales saved the universe. So I think we can probably say that they know a little thing about. Yeah. You know, they, really only, they really only saved Earth. Maybe the whales made the wine. I have no idea. This is genuinely it. All wine tastes like vinegar. If you go to a wine tasting, you might as well just pour a, a, me a glass of Sarsons yeah. and I just swill it around, pretend that it smells of fig. I'm 100% with you mm. on that. And tires. Yeah. Mm. Uh, but I'm very excited about this, despite, I have to say, the presence of Akiva Goldsman. That is a bit of a worry. Bit of a worry. Bit of a, bit of a red flag. Old Akiva Goldsman. Or a red shirt. Uh, yes, indeed, perhaps. But uh, yeah, still excited about this. Michael Chabon and the writing staff as well. So presumably there to counterbalance the, the Akiva Goldsman. This give it, give it a little room. bit of Pulitzeriness. Yeah. Michael Chabon yeah. is a massive Trekkie. Yeah, he's also like massive. Yeah, I don't think he found himself in the room by accident. No, no. he yeah. beamed in like as part yeah. of the away team. And uh, just a, just a reminder that if you want a voice for the dog, I've gone Ray Romano, but that could, that could be fine. Hey, Sean Luke. Hey. What about some Earl Grey hot? Oh, that hurts my ears. That's my soul. Anyway, two last things to talk about uh, in terms of casting news and whatnot. So Millie Bobby Brown looks like she's joined the cast of Marvel's Eternals, Mm. which is, I mean, I guess it's exciting. We we don't know a lot about the film. We think that's going to change next week when they do the big Marvel Studios presentation, which we expect will be their phase four presentation at Comic-Con. And we're expecting to confirm a lot of things that are already in the works. And the likes of Black Panther 2 and Doctor Strange 2 and Captain all Marvel kinds 2. of Captain Marvel 2 and maybe a new Spider-Man movie. Who knows what will happen? And maybe they'll announce a new Avengers film in 2024, 2025. Who knows? But we're very excited. Millie Bobby Brown has apparently joined the cast, which already includes Angelina Jolie, Kamel Nanjiani and Richard Madden. Good cast. Pretty good cast. Wasn't there Keanu Reeves? There's a, rumors of Keanu Reeves and Salma Hayek as well. So this good is Lord. a good cast. Good and uh, Derek Kolstad, who is the creator of John Wick, he's the writer of all three John Wick movies, has joined the, the creative team behind Falcon and the Winter Soldier, the six-episode TV show that will Ooh. be on Disney+. Plus. So that could be That's good. That's also good news. That could be good. But we, we shall find out more next week as well at Comic-Con. There'll be all sorts of news uh, cascading out of Comic-Con as well. Mm. The Russo brothers are doing a panel there also. I think they're going to be pretty much announcing their slate at Agbo Films. All very, very cool. So, yeah, mm. keep them peeled. Not next week's episode because that's been recorded before the panel, but the week after yeah. we'll talk about it then. Yeah, we're not going this time. We're not going this year. Unless someone wants to hey, fly us out. That would be awesome. Yeah, just get in touch. Mm. Just get in touch. If you have a load of money yeah. and some passes, that would yeah. be. Super I'll be going cool. out there to do some recording for Picard. Right. Yeah. The dog. <laughs> you know, I'll be doing that. So that'll be fun. So yeah, do get in touch if you want to fly us out to Comic Con. <laughs> and we're going to end the news section on some very, very sad news. Uh, two great character actors left us this week the great British character actor, Freddie Jones. Uh, who many people will remember from the likes of Krull and a lot of David Lynch movies mm-hmm. from Elephant Man all the way through to Wild at Heart. And he was in June as yeah. well, Jimbo. You'll yeah. love him in June, no doubt. And most recently, of course, I think in Emmerdale. And uh, he died at the age of 91, grand old innings. Absolutely. And a fantastic, venerable British character yeah. actor. Uh, did some Hammer movies as well. And a so heartfelt for, tribute from from David Lynch. Uh, David Lynch, indeed. Collaboration. He took to Twitter and said that he, he loved him. Tremendous, tremendous actor, as indeed was, of course, the great Rip Torn, who passed away this week at the age of 88. 
And again, there are a number of key signature roles that you associate with Rip Torn, who was a master of on-screen irascibility. Uh, he was fantastic in The Cincinnati Kid. He was amazing in Dodgeball, the true underdog story, as Patches of Houlihan, <laughs> who was killed by two tons of irony and <laughs> has some incredible lines, which are increasingly hard to repeat in, <laughs> in this day and age. And Artie, the producer on The Larry Sanders Show, as well said in the Men in Black films, but yeah. it is Artie on The Larry Sanders Show that uh, I will remember him for. It's an amazing, amazing show, an amazing performance. And if you haven't seen The Larry Sanders Show with the great, late Gary Shantling, go check it out as well. But I was reading up on Rip Torn. I didn't know a lot about him. And he seems to have been an absolute wild man. Yeah, he really like, was. Rip Torn yep. sums him up in so many ways. Wasn't it, wasn't it in his 80s that he was arrested for breaking into a bank at night and waving a gun around? That, that, it, I mean, that, it wasn't that long ago. It wasn't that long ago. <laughs> It wasn't as long ago as you might think that story would happen. This is true. Um, This is true. He was a wild man, an absolute animal at times. And so much so, apparently, that the producers of Easy Rider felt that Jack Nicholson was a safer bet to cast (laughs) in their movie than Rip Torn, which raises all sorts of questions about just what the hell Rip Torn was doing back in the 1960s. But he was uh, was an incredible guy with an incredible name. Not... Mm -hmm. His given name, <laughs> you may be surprised to know. But uh, yeah, he was fantastic. The great Rip Torn who passed away this week at the age of 88. Okay, time now for this week's guest. And you may remember, if anyone listened to last week's show, that uh, we hadn't booked a guest for this week. Well, that seems unprofessional of us. It seems unprofessional. It was an oversight. Mm-hmm. Happens occasionally. Sometimes you know, certain things will happen. Certain schedules won't align in certain ways and you won't have a guest. I seem to remember around about this time last year, we had to run a little excerpt of the Chris McQuarrie Mission Impossible Fallout Spoiler Special interview in lieu of a guest. Because we don't want, we never want to have an Empire podcast that doesn't have a guest. Because quite frankly, we're just not enough. <laughs> no, we're not enough. We want to deliver... For you guys as well. So out came the old roller Texas. And I got as far as C for Corin Hardy. <laughs> Corin Hardy answered the call. And uh, he's an old friend of the podcast. And has been on the show a couple of times. Most recently, of course, on our live show last year at King's Place. In fact, as part of the London Podcast Festival. Tickets are available right now for this year's show. And uh, he's recently been doing some filming. He's been directing some episodes of the Gareth Evans created TV show Gangs of London which is all very very kind of exciting mm. and he's just wrapped that show he's just wrapped that show he's just wrapped directing the last episode so I said to him hey do you want to come in and you know have a bit of a chat in the podcast and he said yes hurrah so here's the thing hasn't happened yet okay so I don't know what we're talking about cool so it might be fun it'll be fun it'll be fun it'll be fun so here you go me talking to Karen Hardy the director of The Hallow the director of The Nun, the director of upcoming episodes of Gangs of London, about whatever pops into her head. Do please <laughs> enjoy. And again, thank you to Corin Hardy. Enjoy. Delighted to be joined in the Empire podcast by Corin Hardy. Returning to the podcast. Yeah, the return. The, re- the triumphant return of Corin Hardy. How are you? I'm very well. I'm very uh, re- re- relieved and excited and, and happy. Because you just rapped. I literally, literally just rapped what is... Well, uh, I mean, I've been working on Gangs of London since November last year, still doing post now, just starting sort of proper post, but we just finished the, the final episode shooting. Wow. Three, four days ago. Okay. How's that, how's, that, how's that feel for you? Because 
I don't think we've ever had a director in here who has literally just wrapped mm. a film or a TV show. And but every time I have spoken to directors who say that they, you know they've been working on stuff, and mm. the minute that they hit wrap, their body just kind of goes. Ugh. All yeah. the, the immune system just gets amped up, fights yeah. off all these little invaders, and then suddenly it's it's bedlam. And normally, normally that's the case, and this has been. I mean, it's the first TV show I've ever done, yeah. so it's a different type of schedule. And I also did three episodes back-to-back, then went into editing, then did a final episode, which I'd just finished. So it's a sort of... And also, I just got a real kind of rush of... Maybe I'm going to go down at the weekend, but <laughs> I had a real rush of um, like satisfaction out of completing it that I'm riding on at the moment. It's the wrap party this evening, so I'm going to keep strong till at least tomorrow morning. So this is the rap party for the entire show or the rap party for this episode? It's a rap party for the whole show. So myself, Gareth Evans, Xavier Gens, the, <laughs> the crew of like a, a couple of hundred crew wow. cast. Epic. Amazing. Amazing. And what, what are rap parties usually like? What can you, what can you tell us about <laughs> rap parties? Um, I quite enjoyed them. I mean... Um, what do you my, remember of them? When, when, I, when I wrapped the Hallow, it was particularly special because we were all in Ireland and that was a proper like absolute... Um, they still Mayhem. speak of it in legend. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, the, the, the producers got my band um, secretly over. So uh-huh. they turned up on the last sort of night of the shoot. And then they, um, and then we ended up playing. I don't know if this, the crew appreciated or not, but we ended up playing um, a, a drunken set. Everyone got obliterated. And then we ended up in this. I do remember this. We all got on a, on a minibus. And there was at least 50 too many people crammed on a minibus that was only meant for sort of 24 people, had about 70 on, <laughs> whizzing through the night down a black Irish road to some uh, other other location. And it was, I remember just thinking, we're going to die. <laughs> we're going to die. Do so, you think maybe you did and everything since has been a dream? Maybe that's what it is. All my dreams come true. Yeah, I'm maybe still, I'm, the, I'm the gatekeeper. I'm, I'm, I'm here to usher you into the next life. I'm going to wake up from it or I'll still be on a bus. <laughs> Death Cur- bus. Heading towards a tree. Yeah. Death bus. Is that the, uh, the name of your new film? Have you, yeah, is, is, it, you here to announce that? It's like uh, Final Destination on a bus <laughs> in Ireland. Yeah. I am here for that. I'm absolutely here for Death bus. It's interesting because you don't really, I mean, you've just wrapped Gangs of London, but that doesn't come out until next year, really. Yeah. So you don't really have anything to plug. <laughs> in my it's mind, my favorite like, kind of interview. In my mind, I've got lots to plug, but no, I'm just enjoy, I'm just here for chat to you, Chris, and, and your yeah. Michael Keaton Batman t-shirt. Yeah, and you're here with a t-shirt for, uh, which is promoting another podcast, Corin, so I have to call you out on the your Boo Crew. Oops, oh, the love sorry. Of here we go. Uh, <laughs> yep, the Boo Crew. So uh, tell people about the Boo Crew. You could, yeah. you could team up with them. They're, they're, they're I, a horror. I've never, they're I've never listened to the Boo Crew. I've got to check it out. They're a, they're a horror podcast set right. in, uh, based in Los Angeles and, and Tim Armstrong of the band Rancid and yep. does talks on them and they invited me on a, a while back on The Nun. But uh, it's a great t-shirt. Look, I'm not a monster, you're the monster. I stand by that. Yeah. I have to point out though the the I'm and I'm not a monster. There's no there's no apostrophe. There's yeah, okay, a, I'll have it fixed and I'll come back with that. Yeah, and fixed. sort of that because yeah. at the moment that means instant message, not a monster. You're the monster. You know, right? I'm just being a pedant. But what can you do? I actually put this on thinking. I, I think Chris will dig a Frankenstein T-shirt, and then, <laughs> and then you pointed out. So. I pointed out a grammatical inaccuracy, yeah. and it's promoting a rival yeah. podcast. I'm gonna go and get James. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. This beautiful thing about podcasts: there are no rivals. We're all in it together. They're doing really well, though. Podcasts, I hear. 
They're doing okay, yeah. I mean, I've yet like, to see any financial like, reward for it. But. Right. <laughs> but everyone's everyone seems to be doing them. Everyone is doing them, though, which is, you know, my, my next question. Well, why aren't you doing one? Sounds to me, I mean, you're a busy guy, you've got your own yeah. pursuits, but... I don't know, I, 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 no, I wouldn't know where to start. I've got too many other things taking up my brain. Mm. But uh, stories to tell, you know. What's what's taking up your brain at the moment? What's what's happening? Because here's the thing, the Nun came out last year, this is the last time you were on the podcast, was that live right, show right. we did uh, yeah, in yeah. London at the London Podcast Festival, yes. which is a podcast festival in London, in case people don't know. The Nun was just about to come out. Right. Came out, did pretty well. Mm-hmm. I think it did pretty well. Mm-hmm. It was a hundred and something million in the States. I don't know, the total was 363. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that's all I remember. <laughs> 0.7. I mean, yeah. that's not quibble about things. And uh, obviously of that, you get uh, 10%. So thank you for, for, for coming in here in your gold-plated Ferrari this morning. Um, <laughs> yeah, I got a scooter, like I said. <laughs> you got a scooter, but you know, it hasn't arrived yet. That's my not. treat to myself. So I'm, that's it, yeah. Is that it? Mm. From that sweet, those those fat stacks of Nun Benjamins. Nun Benjamins. A little electric scooter. That doesn't seem like Hollywood excess to me, a a scooter. It's uh, my my excess. It's my allowance. Uh, But never go above the speed limit. Otherwise, maybe. It's pretty fast. I haven't been on it yet, but I think it goes 18 miles an hour. Okay. So could you do Death Scooter? Could you do a, a movie where there is... Either a scooter is killing people, like Christine. Yep. Or you have, you've dangerously overloaded the scooter. You have, okay, I'm pitching stuff to you what now. What was but that got, Corey Hayne movie, Roller Boys? It could be Scooter Boys. It I? could be that. With, with, with a said. Dance of the Roller Boys. Yes. Mm. <laughs> I like that. So you get four people on the one scooter. Sounds awful. I hate the idea. <laughs> sorry. It's just dreadful. Sorry. No, I mean, it came out of my mouth. And no, no, no. Yeah. So it's totally fine. I mean, you're, you know. The honest reason I called you in here today was because I wanted to pitch stuff to you, oh, and okay. uh, you're about to take it out of here. Give me, a, you know. give me a pitch. Then that's all. That's all I have. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's literally all I have. I have death scooter. Let's go with death bus. <laughs> well, that's your project. Um, but the interesting thing is, after the nun came out and made all those big mm. fat stacks of nun Benjamins, that uh, <laughs> the first thing you do is, and it's an amazing yeah. TV show. It's working yeah. with Gareth Evans, and as you know, as you said, Xavier mm. Gans is on, is on the uh, the show as well. And I'm really, really excited about mm. seeing the sort of mayhem you guys have cooked up because you and Gareth have been sharing mm. lots of images on Instagram over the last few months of... It's little sneaky peeks. Little sneaky peeks. There's a lot of blood in there and I've been you know, speaking to both you guys a little bit about it and yeah. uh, it sounds pretty violent and pretty awesome. Mm. Uh, but at the same time, it is a TV show yeah. and that's an interesting choice for you to mm-hmm. have made after The Nun where I imagine... You A, have a lot of projects you want to get mm. off the ground yourself, and B, you probably have people knocking down your door going, mm. do this. It's it's like the nun. Mm. It's a priest, but <laughs> it's, a, it's a scary priest. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you've chosen to do this instead. Yeah, it was it was, uh, it was was sort of uh, unexpected in some ways. I mean, it, it came out of uh, a kind of gradual relationship with Gareth that we'd had maybe as I'd, I'd sort of been a fan of his movies you know how these days you start following someone on Instagram or something and mm. then you notice they follow you back. That gives you license to go, hey, uh, you know, nice one. And, that. and then, they, <laughs> and then they, you share your Blu-ray collection pictures and then they sort of add up. And at some point, actually, it was during Prepping the Crow when I thought, you know what, I, I really want to chat with that man, Gareth Evans, because he does, he's made the best action in recent yeah. cinema. Yeah. So we, we got together for a chat and he told me about gangs that he was planning and also was on a search for a writer, and I had recommended a writer that I'd worked with, funnily enough, on The Crow, 
and she ended up working on Gareth's gangs. Mm -hmm. And then he said, you know, maybe maybe if you're done with The Crow, you come and direct an episode. And then he stuck to his word. So when I came, when The Crow went down the second time, I was, um, he was like, I'm stood up for it. We're about to get into sort of pre-production. And so I was just like, you know what? It's in England and I've not done a TV show. And also it sounds awesome. Mm. Um, and it was definitely a step out of my comfort zone. And I can't, I want to say too much about it at the moment because we're not sort of, yeah, of course we're not, going yeah. into it. But yeah. it was a sort of the biggest challenge in a lot of ways. And maybe that's why I feel really um, proud because it felt like a real little bit adult. <laughs> <laughs> but uh no yeah we shouldn't say too much but um it was it was definitely a real like um let's let's give this a go and i've got way more out of it than i than i yeah. ever thought i could and and working with gareth and working with xavier and myself has been a real sort of camaraderie team um we, we will share the similar kind of aesthetics yeah. but in different ways so it's been and the crew's just been the crew and the cast have just been so top hard work in the top of their game so it's just been a real brilliant experience so you're obviously you're obviously a big horror guy that's yeah. that's that's fair to say but mm. you're also a big action guy as well is that yeah, so, yeah. that's something people don't Absolutely. necessarily know about you yeah yeah i mean i i mean action crime sci-fi horror genre and um rom-coms yeah <laughs> <laughs> no i like i love a, i love a good uh, rom-com too and uh i, I think also, like a lot of the movies that I like in those genres have a lot of emotion in them as well, and this this project has yeah. a real mix of like emotion and action and mystery and crime yeah. and yeah, amazing. I can't I can't wait, but there's a time and a place for talking about that yeah. in detail, yeah, yeah. and that will be sometime next year. Hopefully, we'll get you and Gareth both on yeah. the show, and we can we can get into it. But post the Nun, yeah, comes out makes. Three hundred sixty-three million seven hundred forty-five thousand eight hundred twenty-one dollars and forty-five cents, but no one's counting. Yes. <laughs> Who's keeping tally, honestly? And uh, what happens then? What is your door being knocked down? I mean, you have you've, you've talked in the past about projects you want to get mm. off the ground. No, I've, I've I've got a number of projects which I'm I'm juggling that are I'm now just sort of like getting uh, prioritizing because mm -hmm. I have I, I was meant to do I'm um, just uh, episodes two, three, four on gangs, mm -hmm. and then I would have been available a little earlier but uh, they asked me to do the final episode which was unexpected and, and a bit of an honor so i i did that and it's meant i've had to hold back a, a few things um that are lying in wait so yeah there's some horror on its way there's abominable which, uh, which yeah. has been knocking around for for a while and i can't wait to see yeah uh, eventually happen any, any updates on that there's there's uh there, there's monsters and um horror in in a lot of these <laughs> dreams yeah it's difficult because okay. when you because when you you i mean it's such a kind of constant long process of getting movies made and developed so you you always have a number of projects but it's difficult to talk about any of them specifically until you're doing one of them then, I, then you can talk about it i guess also as well over the years because i think i don't even remember this but the first time we, we spoke actually was about abominable yeah. years yeah, ago yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, whenever I think I spoke to you on the phone about it when I yeah. originally got Sam Raimi that's right doing it and, that's uh, right and I think you were at 16 that, then <laughs> and you said <laughs> keep in touch that's so right. we're still talking about it but yeah we're still talking about it precisely and that uh, and it's still it's still absolute dream of uh, to do this yeah so it, it, it you know it's kind of got close to starting line a few times and mm. you know not to delve into, into areas that are too painful but mm. obviously you mentioned the crow mm. You know, which got really close to starting yeah, yeah. line on two separate occasions. 
So in a way, have you been burned by talking about things that are kind of ephemeral? And no, I'm not burned. It's just it's, it's more just that you really want to, you know, everyone wants to tell the truth and talk about the uh, things that are really happening. And mm. it's such a long drawn out process and things sometimes feel like they're happening and then they don't or... Um, so it's it's nice to when you're actually when you've actually made one or in your mid process of making it and, and uh, you know you have so many different ideas and projects and you're constantly in touch with the people who are developing them. Um, you just can't talk about them. Mm. No, no, that's fair. <laughs> it's really Listen, when you're ready to talk about them, by all means, yeah, just yeah, yeah. get in touch with the book. How do other people do it? I, mean, what do I, do? <laughs> I already got that. Yeah, they would know about it. Oh, no, it's fine. You're constantly texting them. <laughs> Guys, you won't believe what's happening with my next project. Um, what do other people say, though? What do other directors say when you talk about projects? Projects? Uh, future projects? Mm. I don't know. It's, it's kind of... Uh, it, it, dep- it depends, really. Uh, obviously, you get some who are circumspect, some who are bound by... <laughs> those dreadful NDA yeah, yeah. things, and they can't say anything about them. But uh, I just find, it, you know, it's I, I'm just interested to see mm. what happened after the nun. Yeah, yeah, that's. I imagine that you had lots of people just yeah, yeah, yeah. throwing knockoff scripts your way, and yeah, I mean, you know, it's yeah, you get scripts, and then you have the amount of time that you're trying to divide up between the things you need, want to do, what you want to develop. So getting to read other scripts becomes a lot more like. You don't want to just read any old script, so mm. it's, it becomes like much more targeted of what you're trying to go for. And um, um, there's definitely some very exciting projects that have come out of the back of the nun. So, uh, and and like I said, gangs was sort of something which I felt, you know, let's just have a bit of a break and do something different. Mm. And and also like with someone like Gareth, and do something that I've never done before, which is really exciting. So what's your viewpoint f- of state of horror at the moment? Uh, in, it seems in, to be very healthy. It does, I doesn't mean, it? I've got a list of movies that I, I actually haven't seen that I'm desperate to see because actually doing being in production, you just haven't had time to see anything. So I still haven't seen Us. You haven't seen Us? I still, obviously, Midsummer. I can't wait to see it. Yep. I wanted to see last night, but I was too tired. <laughs> <laughs> um I still haven't seen Child's Play, Bright Burn, Set Pet Cemetery. Oh my God! Don't Die is coming out. I still haven't seen Suspiria. Oh my um, God! Yeah, I'm so behind. <laughs> Have you seen uh, In Fabric? Add In Fabric no. to your list as well. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's not necessarily a horror per se, but it's uh, it's it is a belter. Right, right. It's a yeah, li- literally a belter because it's about a dress. That's but, my list um, of movies I haven't yet seen. Oh my God! Can I, let's see. It's this terrible. is terrifying. This yeah, is terrifying. I'm going to read some of these. This is what happens when, you, when you're actually doing stuff. You, you can't get to see anything. The Nun. You haven't seen The Nun yet. No. <laughs> <laughs> you, should, you should check it out. Edgar, Edgar invited me to see Midsummer um, with Joe Cornish the other night, and I really wanted to see it, and it was in the middle of my shoot. And how, he's in the middle of his shoot. How can he, how yeah, how can he find time to see it? It was like a private screening he'd organised. So oh, very it, nice. Yeah. Okay, wow. Okay, so uh, it's a two and a half hour I know. film. So Maybe just put everything on standby. Or, uh, <laughs> Maybe his film's going really, really well. Uh, the interesting one in here is, um, well, Dumbo. Yeah, yeah. Why is well, Dumbo on your list? Tim Burton and I still, and, uh, well, I still, um, I saw that trailer and I thought, oh man, that looks, I thought, I loved the way that looked. Um so I'm still, I'm still holding a flame for it. All right, okay. Despite other reviews and things. Girl in the Spider's Web. Yeah, so I mean, Duskin probably like three years old by now, but yeah, that came out last year. Still, still like, I must see that film still. 
Yeah. Uh, okay, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna recommend some films here for you as well. Sorry about these brilliant yeah. uh, Black Klansman. Have you not seen Black Klansman? Because do you not do the same? I mean, it's different for you, but like, I there's films where I'm like, oh, got to see that film, write it down, and then I don't know, you know, I just. Uh, they slip by. They slip by. Well, the one film on, that's not on this uh, that's on this list that's not out yet. You'll be delighted to know yeah. is Knives Out, right? Yeah, which I'm massively excited yeah, about. Yeah, me too. Looked, massively excited. Looked really about. cool. All right. Well, yeah. you know, you got a lot of stuff to get get going on. Um, <laughs> the movies I have seen is like six. <laughs> is that the films you've seen this year? No, movies that I can remember that I enjoyed. <laughs> All right. Some okay. This Garita Carnes <laughs> list. Uh, Widows. <laughs> that was like two years ago. No. Endgame. Kid Will Be King. Missing Link. You know, I, I didn't see Missing Link. Link. Did didn't you? See, I didn't oh, see that one. So it's a Yeti movie, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually get... brilliant. And it should get much more mentions, Missing Link. Uh, yeah, it kind of uh, came Huge. and went, sadly. How to Train Your Dragon 3, Creed 2, Overlord. I really liked Overlord. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A lot of uh, good stuff going for it. Free Solo, great stuff. Mandy, yep. Uh, Beale Street could talk. Well, that was great. That's an eclectic yeah. mix. Yeah, <laughs> and I love that. I love that you're keeping lists. Is that something that you've done throughout your life? Yes, but also as you just get older and more forgetful, you're like, what have I been <laughs> seeing recently? All right, so here's a pitch for you. Uh, let's see if you can just see if you can uh, take on another co-writer here. Okay. All right, so this is a series of movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, first one is called Debit Card. All right, so it's Debit Debit Card. So instead yeah. of credit card, it's Debit Card, <laughs> and okay. it's a credit card that kills you. Yeah. What do you think about that? It sounds kind of quite um, up to date. Okay. I recently had a credit card that nearly killed me just because I couldn't figure out how to pay it off. <laughs> I mean, I mean, actually to physically get through to someone to do the payments on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, does it physically, is it like carry with a credit card? It just sort of like slides across the yeah. table and yeah. slits your wrist? It's very like. much inspired by InFabric. Ah, yeah. Sorry, I can't. You know, you can't. You can't have seen the film, but it's essentially it's a dress that kills you. So right, right. I'm figuring that maybe a credit card that kills you. That's and also it's a comment uh, yeah. on society. Obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's very people like that sort of stuff. They like subtext. So okay, that's what's the second one? Second one is Lethal Tender. Mm-hmm. So it's Deaded Card Two, or is it Lethal Tender? Is Lethal Tender the first one? Oh yeah, okay, I messed it up. Lethal Tender is the first one. Right. Lethal Tender is about money that kills you. So you know, paper cuts with from five pound yeah, notes, yeah. all that sort of stuff. So that's is so that the sequel? No, no, no. Well, it could be the sequel. You know, you could why, have. Why have you got such a thing against like money that kills you? And... When you earn so little of it, you begin to <laughs> you begin to fear it, I guess. Um, so Lethal Tender, then you got Lethal Tender Two, Deaded Card, right? Mm. So that's a that's credit card that kills you. And then the trilogy comes to a harrowing end in Lethal Tender 3, Gorgage, which is Amazing. a mortgage wow. that kills mortgage. you. Christ. Yeah. It sounds like this is, should be sort of some kind of um, advertising campaign. I don't know what for. Anti-credit cards and... Yeah. Wow. Well, yep. yeah. Okay. Well, can I come so back when, when to you we, that? We, we, I was going to say, when do we start? Yeah. <laughs> I'm ready to go. I'll... Um, I'll have a th- I'll think about it. It's been really great talking to you about your ideas, Chris. Yeah. So, um, well, you know, anytime, Corin, anytime you want to come in, anytime I'll have a, I'll have a list of <laughs> terrible films. We can start. We can start. On I was them. hoping Lethal Tender was going to be more of like a buddy cop money flick. See, now you're going in a direction that people might actually want to watch. Mm. Like it could be animated. It could be like the, the money could be characters. It could be a you know a family man character and a, uh-huh. a like a. Copies come kind of deranged. I think, I think this may be the next Ardman movie. <laughs> no, where am I? Yeah, the twenty pound note, the fifty pound note, lording it over everyone yeah. else. Yeah, you know, yeah. You know, simple. Good. Oh, you could have a coppers. 
Anyway, anyway, <laughs> let's not do this. Uh, yeah. So one thing that I want to finish off by talking about is uh, we tried, mm. and your schedule uh, mm. worked against it ultimately, we tried to get you in when we did that John Carpenter ranking episode. Oh, yeah. Uh, to you know, talk about through the films of John Carpenter because yeah. uh, we wanted to talk about the thing, yeah, in, in particular. Mm. Um, is that is that the apex of horror for you? Is that is that is that it? Is it the apex of horror? Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's definitely the greatest film ever made. Um, I was just watching that John Carpenter interview on on a, someone I put on Facebook last night interviewed John Carpenter about Hollywood and his film careers and still I cannot actually comprehend that people didn't like the thing the critics didn't like the thing the fans didn't like the thing when it came out and how much that must have affected him yeah it, if it was a terrible movie fair enough but it's such a great movie yeah. and um and I know he, you know I mean, it looks like he always sort of bristles whenever he's asked about it and it's it's just such a great movie and, and when you know how difficult movies are to get made and how how difficult that movie must have been, it's just um, shocking. But yeah, no, I think it's just such a brilliant, powerful, solid piece mm. of work. Have you ever uh, talked to him about it? Have you, you've met no, him, haven't you? No, I did meet him backstage of one of his gigs, and um, proper had that proper starstruck awe thing that you get with people you genuinely are in awe of. Um, and I'm sort of useless at talking to them. <laughs> I had the same same thing with Nick Cave. Um, and 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 just sort of shook his hand and, and smiled and he and he was nice. And I, I, it was I was with a band called Gunship who'd um, managed to get John Carpenter to do a voiceover on one of their tracks, mm. and I also did a little track with them um, this year called Cthulhu as well. Yes, um, and so we all went and met him. But uh, no, I couldn't I, I couldn't talk about his movies. It would be too much. <laughs> <laughs> but I have since because I was really wanting to do that. John Carpenter top five or top ten. Top ten, yeah. I and mean, I got like a top fifteen, and I was trying to whittle it down, and it was so difficult to me, like months trying to figure out what that order should be. So, oh, did you ever right. get what orders? Did you ever did you get? In the end? Hang on a second, I did, I've, I've got, got, got my list. Let's find. Let's, okay, let's let's find your list, and then uh, I'll find. Oh shit! Hang on, let me take a look. I, I did write this quote down that John Carpenter said yesterday. They asked him like about what advice would you give to someone. Yeah, that sort of standard last question in an interview and I thought what he said was brilliant he said don't lose yourself no matter what happens keep in touch with who you are and when you start because a lot of things happen to you from the success and failure both don't lose yourself through those stay in touch with who you are I thought what a great thing to say bloody hell yeah look here's my after talking right. to you so I've got John Carpenter okay. top 10 order of making them then I've got <laughs> Corrin's, Corrin's top 10 then I got Need to Rewatch. Then I got Dave's Top Ten. Who's Dave? Who's Dave? Dave's my best friend, and you know, I had to check with him what his was. You know? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God! We got we got to get you and Dave back in. We got to redo the uh, John Carpenter run. I was really wanting to do it, but I did. I did. There was things like I hadn't watched Elvis, Vampires, Starman, Dark Star, Math and Madness for so long, so I couldn't like factor them in. I yeah, I rewatched a few of those in, in preparation for this. I rewatched yeah. Vampires, and it did not trouble my top ten. I mean. Right. Right. There's some interesting stuff he does there, but I remember being really at the time excited and seeing and all and having a sort of feeling of like oh, not not what I was hoping, and mm. I, and still bought it and still and now I'm sort of like maybe 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 it's great. But, no, yeah. still for still for me the last great one is uh, is Prince of Darkness. But anyway, yeah, mm. I'll just run through the top ten. This mm. is our official top ten, then we'll finish off with your top ten. Yeah, okay, right. so top ten number ten, Christine. Yeah, and I think I was largely responsible for that being in the top ten. I love that good, film. Good, good, good. Yeah. Number nine, Starman. 
Mm. Number eight, and I was responsible for this being in the top ten, Prince of Darkness. If it were cool. up to me, it would be yeah. much further up the yeah, list. Yeah. Number seven, Lay Live. Yeah. Number six, Dark Star. Number five, Escape from New York. Uh, and basically, the number the number five is basically mm. like yes. you hit into number five and then yeah. it's just like yeah. the all-time sure. classic. It's just which order, though. It's which just which order. order. That's um, what got me. So Escape from New York. Number yeah. four, The Fog. Number three, Assault and Precinct 13. Number two, Halloween. Number one, The Thing. Right. But you didn't have Big Trouble in Little China. We didn't have Big Trouble in Little China. In the top 10? Yeah. No. That's in insane. Fact, that's rubbish. I'm looking at the top 10s here. <laughs> Wait a second. Why is that? Why is that? Hang on a second. I mean, that's crazy. I'm looking through everyone's top 10s here. So Dan Jolin, Fodafford. Mm. I'm not a Big Trouble in Little China fan. Wow. It got six points. It got mm. six points, which meant it was even below In the Mouth of Madness, would you believe? Wow. But that's based off a recent rewatch for me, where it didn't right. click with me the way it did when I was a, when I was a kid. I rewatched it and love it. <laughs> it's in my top five. Um, all right, okay, all right. That's an argument for another podcast. I think that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> right. No, but then I, I have to still caveat this with the ones that I need to rewatch. I, I haven't put in my top ten because I didn't know where to put them, so I haven't put Darman or Dark Star. Okay, okay. In there, all right. So maybe that help give some space to some others, but. And this is just, you know, this is just a version of a top I, I, You're, you're caveating so much. You're caveating <laughs> so, so much. So I got number 10, but with three stars either side, because I, I want to check it out again. It's Mouth of Madness. <laughs> yep, okay. Number nine, Christine. Yep. Number eight, They Live. Yep. Number seven, Prince of Darkness. Again, much too low, but... Okay. Yeah. Number six, Assault and Breezing 13. Ooh. This is where it will probably get controversial. Okay. Because this top five... It's Memoirs of the Invisible Man next. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, number five, The Ward. Not really. Oh, Jesus um, Christ. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> um, I, actually, um, no. So, number five, uh-huh. Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah, okay, that's fair. I, I will accept that it you know, holds a place in many Carpenter fans. I love that film. Yeah. And I get—I mean, it was when I watched that film; it was the perfect time to watch it. And I wanted to be a ninja, and I loved horror movies, and it was everything. Mm. And I watched it recently; I still felt the same. Uh, um, okay, I maybe need to go re-revisit <laughs> it. Uh, number what did I get to? Four. So uh, let's go from New York. Yep, solid. Number three, The Fog. Yeah, I mean that's an old timer. Number two. Don't. Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> you can't come on here and say the thing is the greatest movie ever made and then put it the number two on your list. The there thing. we go. Halloween. And, and then do you know what? Thing. I even wore, wore a t-shirt this morning that was the thing and then I changed it for this one. Because no, you wanted to give a shout out to I the thought, Boo Crew. I thought, it's probably too, <laughs> I thought it's probably too like obvious to wear a thing t-shirt to meet Chris Hewitt on a podcast. <laughs> but you think about what t-shirt you wear in the morning, don't you? You do, a little bit. I thought this was, uh, what was it? It was a choice between this and an Iron Man t-shirt. I just opened the drawer and there was an Iron Man t-shirt and then underneath was the, the Keaton one. Which when is, did you last watch Batman, Pink Keaton? This one? Mm. A long time ago, I think. Because mm. that's, that's just an anniversary, A couple it? of years at least, easily. 30 years old this year. I really want to watch that again. You know, my, my dad's cousin designed Batman, the uh, production designer, Anton First. I did not know that. Yeah. So he designed that amazing Your dad's cousin? Line. Yeah. Wow, did you ever meet him? Was yeah, that... but he, he uh, sadly yeah. died. Yeah. Um, Very soon after, wasn't it? Wasn't yeah. It? Was, yeah. But uh, no, I mean, he, he did obviously um, Full Metal Jacket and Batman, mm. Company of Wolves. And actually when we shot some of Gangs of London, we shot at a location that they used in Full Metal Jacket. Um, so it was quite... Uh, I, he, he transformed, I think, um, 
Saigon. Or, yeah, uh, or the in, Docklands. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's amazing. That I did not know. Mm. Well, not to talk I did about go that. to the set and got and pine with the Gotham set. Really? And uh, after the, you know, after the film had been made and and uh, saw it all because they kept it out for quite a long time. They did because they thought they were going to shoot a Batman right. two or well, what yeah. became Batman Returns. I guess I'm not sure. Did that shoot in Pinewood? I'm not no, sure I it did. Think so. Yeah, because they kept the sets up for a while and they started to melt. Yeah, as I, as I recall, <laughs> yeah, yeah, under the sun. Oh man, that's uh, well, that's something to get into the next time. Yeah, you uh, sally forth across Regent's Park and and come on the podcast. Can't wait. We're in the t-shirt promoting another pod. Yeah, on 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 your scooter, <laughs> <laughs> throwing out great big fat stacks of non Benjamins to people and passersby. Where does non Benjamins thing come from? <laughs> you know, that's what you say. You go, I want, I want none more cash. <laughs> How much more cash do I want? None. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, loads of money. <laughs> oh my god! When someone said that. On that note, it is uh, a fond farewell. And thank you so much again for coming in to the director of Lethal Tender, Lethal Tender 2, <laughs> Dedicard, Card, and Lethal Tender 3, Gorgage. And Death Bus. And don't forget De- Death Scooter. No. <laughs> Death Bus. Corn Hardy. It's been Cheers. amazing, man. Cheers. Thanks. Never, never see you again. <laughs> Cheers. Oh, pleasure, man. Okay, so that was Karn Hardy saying some pretty incendiary things that we may have to redact. Ugh, the guy was running his mouth off. Uh, let's now. <laughs> Let's now get on to the review section of the show and we're going to start with Jim Jarmusch's all-star zombie flick. I never thought I'd say those words. <laughs> Jim Jarmusch's all-star zombie flick. Then again, he did an all-star vampire flick. You know? He did Ghost Dog Wear the Samurai. Yep. Why not? Why not do a zombie flick? He's got range. He, he did has a got range. Yes, he did. A dead man. And uh, so, here we are. Jim Jarmusch's The Dead Don't Die, which stars the likes of Adam Driver and Bill Murray and Tilda Swinton and Selena Gomez. The RZA from Wu Tang <laughs> yeah, Clan. Yeah. Um, who else? Iggy Pop is Iggy in Pop this. Is in it, yep. There's Tom loads. Waits. Tom Waits for No Man. Steve Buscemi. Oh my God. Danny Glover. Danny Glover. Yeah. This is. It's got it going on. It did, has did, got it going did on. Did we say Adam Driver? We did say Adam. Did Driver. we say Adam Driver saying ghouls? Ghouls. <laughs> ghouls. We didn't. Chloe Sevigny. Chloe Sevigny. And of course. Of course. Tilda. I said that. Okay, then but carry on. But she deserves to be said twice. She does right? deserve to be said twice. Tilda Swinton. She plays a mortician. A Scottish mortician. A Scottish or mortician. Or is she? Well, who knows? Anyway, the dead don't die. Dead Hello. don't die. Hello. So we're in the small town of Centreville and strange things are happening. The sun seems to be setting later than it should. Everything seems to be off. Animals are disappearing. Nobody quite knows why any of this is happening. And the sheriff, who's played by Bill Murray, and his two deputies, Chloe Sevigny and Adam Driver, are perturbed, concerned even, and uh, trying to figure out what's going on. But Mm -hmm. this is a Jim Jarmusch zombie movie. So at the same time that the world is going to pot, it's also kind of just like nothing's happening and everyone's kind of not sure and just kind of, you know, talking about other stuff because it's a Jim Jarmusch movie and people are still drinking coffee in diners. So it's a very atypical zombie movie and it's an odd Jim Jarmusch movie, if I'm perfectly honest with you. I'm a huge, huge fan of his. I, I loved Patterson, which is... The film where less stuff happens than you think it should be possible to make a film about. <laughs> Genuinely, like there's so like it's almost like a negative things happen if you yep. were trying to write it down. But it's it's delightful, and it's so good to see him working with basically everybody he's ever worked with mm. in his career in this film, and some people he hadn't. But it is an odd fit, and I think some of the ideas in this movie that are presented as if new and quite clever have been done a very long time ago by George Romero. So. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
sometimes it's not quite as as sharp as you want it to be or as current as you want it to be. Um, laid as, back, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and, and laid back is what we expect from Jim Jarmusch, so mm-hmm. you can't complain too much, but at the same time, it's an odd film and it gets progressively much odder in the last act to the point where people are going to throw their hands up in fury at it, I think, in some cases, um, at some of the rather more unusual twists and turns that the story takes just before the end. I just kind of liked it because I just kind of like Jim Jarmusch films and I just kind of go with them and, and sort of think, okay, yeah, this is going to be weird and that's cool. And it is both weird and cool. But people have said it's his worst film and honestly, I would struggle to argue. That? People on the internet, Who you know, man, people. That? I don't know. Have they seen Broken Flowers? Yeah, that's probably fair. But it's it's definitely not in his among his best. It's no Only Lovers Left Alive. It's no Patterson. Yeah. But it... It's just still kind of charmingly weird, so I still had a good time with it. Charmingly weird sounds like a Jim Jarmusch joint to me. Right? Definitely. Mm. So three stars in. That's a recommendation, as we always send the podcast, uh, for Jim Jarmusch's The Dead Don't Die. And it's a horror film of sorts. And now we yeah. come to a real horror film, as in one designed to make you scared. Annabelle Comes Home, which is the third part in the Annabelle trilogy. This is interesting because Annabelle was a spin-off from the Conjuring movies, right? Mm-hmm. But has hit the trilogy mark before the Conjuring. It has, yeah, because the Conjuring three is not quite in production yet. I don't it think. is in production. It's it in is, production. It now. is in production. Right. It is. It is happening right now. This is the most sort of Conjuring centric of the Annabelle films because Ed and Lorraine Warren, who are the sort of central figures of the Conjuring films, are in this. It's set Ooh. in their house. So, so they can't not be in it. It'd be a bit weird if they weren't <laughs> in it. It would be very weird if they weren't in it. Um, but they, they're a kind of minor part of this. So uh, the previous two Annabelle films have been kind of prequels, introducing the doll, where it came from, all that kind of stuff. This one is set when the... Uh, Warrens, so that's Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga, bring the doll back to their house and put it in the cabinet in the room of spooky things. Which then, seems like a bad idea. Can I just say, like a really like bad, a bad idea. idea. I mean, the, the, the glass they use is like anointed chapel glass. They're very careful about how they put it away. But then they're not very careful about going away for a couple of days and leaving their daughter <laughs> in the care no. of a babysitter who is very uh, actually a bit of a goody two-shoes and very sensible, but who has a not-so-sensible friend who comes round and whop, whop, uh, accidentally <laughs> whop, whop. through things, Annabelle is set loose. No. And as we know, she is a beacon for other spirits. And she's oh, no. in the room full of spooky things. <gasps> so, the room where it happens. The room where it happens. Is that what that song's about? No, it is. It's a, it, it, yeah, it's a part of the Conjuring universe. It is. Wow. Hamilton is a prequel to the Conjuring. Did you Lee know guys? Manuel not know Miranda that? is a wow. genius. He really is. So yeah, this one stars McKenna Grace as Judy. She's the daughter of the Warrens. She's kind of starting to get her own awakening of like oh she's seeing things does she see dead people basically yeah she sort of she sees a spooky priest Uh, and there are lots of kind of generic spooky things in this so you've got spooky priest you've got stabby bride um (laughs) you've got my favorite one is the hellhound of essex which is maybe my new favorite myth isn't that the dog from picard no it's 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 from supernatural oh okay um, so for me, I actually, I really liked the second Annabelle film, Annabelle mm. Creation, which was David F. Sandberg, who did Shazam earlier this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought that actually, for a very straight down the line horror film, had a good sense of style and it fit into that nice conjuring thing of having these lovely big sweeping shots. It did this great thing at the start where it goes round the spooky house in this big sweeping shot and shows you all the spooky corners and <laughs> kind of really talks to the audience and says, oh, 
you know there's going to be some spooky stuff and we're going to have fun with this. Annabelle Comes Home didn't quite have that for me and I think I found that disappointing because it has the most fun setup. It's the spooky doll set loose in the spooky house full of spooky things. It should be a big fun house blast. It's kind of goosebumps but but scarier. It is and it it does fall on that kind of lower age range of the Conjuring stuff. It's like it's definitely not as scary as the main Conjuring films. It has some nice sort of sleepover horror elements and I, I like that when you have people like Blumhouse and like the Conjuring universe making these films that is like if you're a teenager and everyone's around at a sleepover, you're going to stick it on and all kind of be a bit freaked out. Mm-hmm. There's a sort of board game thing in this called Feely Mealy, which uh, has, is like a big it, box with just... holes in that you have to put your arm in no. and Mm-mm. deal with whatever's I've in the I've seen Flash Gordon. Ain't happening. <laughs> it sounds to me like almost everything is being set up as a possible spin-off. It's yeah, like, you, hey guys, do you want to play a game of Feely Mealy? And then there'd be a film called Feely yeah. Mealy. Yeah. Did, yeah. You, did you like The Nun? You'll love The Priest. Do you like Stabby Bride? <laughs> the, Coming the, 2021. I'd say the biggest um, thing around that is that there's something called the Ferryman, who is the is the sort of creepiest, scariest thing in the film. But they play a lot into that mythology of this the weird. How did Constantine play? Yeah, uh, I, play. yeah I believe it was uh, scripted by uh, who's the fancy playwright who wrote that? Jazz Butterworth, <laughs> yeah. I believe. Wasn't Jazz it? Butterworth, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah it was. Yeah. Uh, so yes, that is part of the Conjuring universe, as we've now Whoa. found. Out. No, this is oh. something different. This is a weird kind of evil thing with coins for eyes who drops coins everywhere and he yells buddy consider (laughs) no I get it yeah don't no Um, so that's kind of that's kind of alright but that's I don't little. know the, the film just lacks energy and invention and a sense of playfulness for and me and this is directed by Gary Doberman who wrote the previous movies and The Nun yeah this is his first film as director and for me again it doesn't have that sort of great fun filmmaking that leans into those scares in the way that some of the, the last Annabelle film did so it, it's not a total write off I think if you are invested in the Conjuring films mm. you might want to take a look but for me it, yeah it wasn't up to scratch with the with the better Conjuring films so five stars then for Annabelle Comes well, Home a, a couple less than that a couple less did we get three, three or two two Two. Two. Two stars. Sorry, not quite a recommendation. Two stars then. Two stars for Annabelle Comes Home. Wow. Better hope Annabelle doesn't find out, otherwise we're all in trouble. Let's talk about something a little bit more positive now. Let's talk about Pav Arotti. Yes. Hurrah. This is the Ron Howard documentary about the great opera singer. It's really good just because apart from anything else, you get to listen to the best bits. It's like, which which is your favourite Pavarotti album? I would have to say... <laughs> the best of Pavarotti, this is that. The one with the three tenors on it. The, the three tenors are on it. It's great. Oh, brilliant. Um, and, and literally the other two were talking about him and what made him so special. And they have lots of opera experts and opera singers talking about what it was that made Pavarotti sort of stick out from the crowd. Not just, well, his voice uh, for one, and that he had just that clarity and that tone and that, that sense of drama, but also just his personality and, and that, that, that that showed through and that he was able to kind of popularise uh, opera in a way that really nobody else previously had. So... It's it's really affectionate look. It has all of his family and friends, it seems like, on board. I mean, the colliery of that is that you have a sense that, you know, some of the more awkward bits of his history, like <laughs> the fact that he was chronically unfaithful to his wife, have been rather brushed over. Mm. Um, they are there, but they're not exactly emphasised. Are they Nesson dormant? <laughs> Very good. Yeah, they kind of are. Um, Name one other Pavarotti song. Uh... 
La Donna Mobile, obviously. Not you. Nessendorma 2. Nessendormia. I can't either. Anyway, he's great. But no, this is this is it's a really, really good look through his career and the music is astonishing, even if you're not an opera fan, I think. And yeah, like I say, it's affectionate rather than sort of hard hitting. This is not going to blow the doors off, you know, the reputation of Pavarotti. Mm. Um, but it's mm. it's just so likable and so feel good. And I would also recommend staying through the credits because there is a bit of performance in the credits that is super good. Nick Fury. Nick Fury turns up and asks him to join... We Love. were putting together a team of tenors. <laughs> it's you, it's Susan Boyle. It's <laughs> She's not a tenor, come on. Who are the other? Name more opera, opera who, who were the three tenors? Come on, Helen, name okay. them. Um, do you want to go? go? Let me have a go, okay. let me have a go. Luciano Pavarotti. Yes. yes. Placido Domingo. Very good. And his fellow Spaniard... Enrico Palazzo. Enrico Palazzo is the right answer. Is, Enrique Iglesias. Of course, yeah. Jose Carreras. Jose so. Carreras was the name that was on the tip of my Wikipedia page. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I, two out of three ain't bad. That's pretty Meat good. Meatloaf said that. Mm. And three tenors is a recommendation. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we gave this three tenors out of a possible five tenors. <laughs> but as we always say on the Empire Opera podcast, that is indeed... <laughs> A recommendation. And uh, just very, very quickly this week, there are, there are a couple of other movies mm-hmm. out. Uh, probably the film of the week, weirdly, sadly, is one we haven't seen yet, but uh, we gave it four stars and it is the, the British romantic drama Only You, which stars Leia Costa and Josh O'Connor, who, of course, will soon be big old lugs himself, Prince Charles, yeah. in uh, The Crown season three. So that's uh, very, very exciting. Apparently that is fantastic. I haven't seen it yet myself, so apologies for that. But four stars then for Only You. And also, Al, very, very quickly, we have Stuber, which yeah. promised a lot, but it seems to deliver little. Yeah, it's a, it's a sad one, this, because it's a great cast. So you've got um, Dave Bautista as a tough cop who's going after a bad guy played by Eco Uwais. And the problem is, just when he gets the lead on his location, he's just had LASIK eye surgery. Right, so he can't drive himself, and he tries, but it doesn't go well. So he has to get an Uber driver, who's played by Kumail Nanjiani, to drive him around, seeking out the clues to this guy's location. Right. Um, there's a couple of problems here, which is, I mean, first of all, if you took a drink every time it said Uber, you would be stocious in no time. It is, it is <laughs> a, appalling product placement, and also like the fact that basically Nanjiani puts himself in all these incredibly scary and increasingly risky positions just to get a five-star rating. It's a really bleak commentary on the gig economy, if you think about it for any mo- length of time. Mm. Um, another problem is that they cast Eco Wyas, of course, the star of The Raid and The Raid 2, and then give him no real action to do. There's one fight early on with Dave Bautista and it's cut to ribbons, so you don't even get the sense of how that works, which is a shame because they are both capable guys, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um so that was disappointing. It's kind of up and down. I laughed a bit, so it wasn't a total loss. It was kind of a high two for me, but it was a two. It's it's not quite three stars. I, I know they needed the sort of Uber product stuff for the name Stuber, mm. but then they could have called it Lolateral. No, just me. I mean, um, thank God it's the end of the podcast. Because <laughs> I, think, I think you've ruined it. I mean, do people just not... Get it? Lol, lateral, lol, collateral, lol, lateral. Why not collateral, lol? Collateral, lol. Collateral, lol. Because then you've already got the the ol at the start of the word, the lol, lateral. No. 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 Okay. Whew. 
two stars then for Stuber. And that is it for this week's Empire Podcast. Ooh. You'll be delighted to know. <laughs> and uh, uh, join us next week for more film-related fun when we'll be joined by... I think we have a guest. Is it Beyonce? It's not 100% confirmed. It's Beyonce adjacent. Uh, <laughs> it is John Favreau, who is the director of Beyonce in The Lion King. Hurrah! How exciting. And as he said in The Lion King, it's a whole new world. <laughs> and I'm very excited about seeing what Favs has cooked up for us with The Lion King. Mm. Fab's cooking. <laughs> Which brings us back to Chef. <laughs> oh no, he'll give you here all day. Uh, but anyway, until we, until we meet again, until the auspicious occasion, it is goodbye from Ben Travis. Goodbye. It is goodbye from Helen O'Hara. Toodaloo. It is goodbye from James Dyer. Bye-bye. And it's goodbye from me. I am off to down a yard of butterbeer. Type 4 diabetes. <laughs> I'm coming for you. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Bye. 